Good evening, everybody. This is Barbara with Candy Girl Speaks Podcast, and I want to thank you so much for continuing to listen to the podcast and support the podcast. And on tonight, uh, my guest on tonight uh, is a one of one of our uh, women leaders of our community. Um, I wanted to bring on uh, this month of March is considered. Uh, we honor women's the Women's History Month, and so I decided I wanted to bring on some different women leaders uh, in in different communities. And so, uh, with that being said, I want to I want to welcome uh, Connie Stantridge. She is the city manager for the city of Corsicana. Hello, Connie. Hello. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for being on Canada Girl Speaks podcast. So, tell the listening audience a little bit about who Connie Stantridge is. Well, I was born in Corsicana. Um, I attended high school in Fairfield. I attended Navarra College and then ultimately left and uh, went to Texas A&M. I'm an engineer by education and worked in that field for, uh, for many, many years until I became um, city manager um, in 2003 as a t- as interim and then 2005 as the permanent city manager I've been blessed to be able to work here in in the community that I love and uh, in a field that is um, a very challenging field and I have enjoyed uh, most every moment of it (laughs) (laughs) so for the benefit of those that um that may, may that may not know what the what the job of the duty the job or the duty of a city manager kind of explain to the listening audience what what the duty of a city manager is. Well, the city manager is in charge of the day to day operations of the city, and understand that some cities have different different organizational structures. But in the city of Corsicana, we have a council mayor. Uh, and manager form of government. So the manager runs the day-to-day operations. The council makes the policy decisions, and uh, and then I'm charged with enforcing those policies or carrying out those policies. Um, some of the big um, things that I do on an annual basis is I prepare the budget. I uh, monitor the budget throughout the year, provide reports to the council, as to how uh, we are progressing with regard to the budget. Um, I supervise um, the finance department, which is in charge of all the record keeping um, and financial operations of the city, the HR department, environmental services, which is uh, is in charge of the water and sewer and landfill, public works, which is water and sewer distribution and streets, we also have an engineering department and, of course, the police department, fire department, and the parks and recreation department. So we have um, uh, a really good staff and a great bunch of employees that try hard every day to, to uh, make the city better. So it sounds like you have a, your plate is, you know, as they said, your plate is full. And so, um, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, you have been met with challenges. And here recently we have the, you know, the ice storm and all this stuff like that. 
And so, um, did you, did you find yourself, um, you know, I'm sure you were like up around the clock, you know, during that time. And so did you find yourself like, you know, having to, um, I guess, uh, delegate, you know, some of your, you know, some, some things to people to try to get everything in a kind of, in a calming way during that time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it is definitely a team effort. Um, and during that, uh, winter storm, two things happened. Um, one, we began preparing many days in advance of the storm. As soon as we knew that the temperatures were going to drop as, as far as they were, we started preparing and winterizing. And truly the, the thing that was the, the biggest concern was the loss of power from Encore. We did not lose any pipes, any pumps, any any sort of infrastructure to the cold because we'd winterized those. We'd spent time making sure that that everything was good. What we couldn't control is the loss of power. And when that happened, and it happened in three critical areas that we just couldn't... Uh, if any one of those had lost power at any one time, it wouldn't, wouldn't have been a disaster. But when all three of those lost power, um, it, it basically brought us to a halt. Um, we were able to recover and begin pumping water um, with some emergency backup power. But we really didn't gain power um, to the Lake Halbert treatment plant for several uh, several days. Well, not several days. We, I think we, we were back up and pumping by Thursday. And so it, we were fully recovered by Tuesday, um, excuse me, by Sunday. And we pumped that week just from the Navarra Mills plant into town and to our wholesale customers on days greater than 20 million gallons. So oh, we wow. were absolutely operating the plants at maximum capacity, the plant that actually had power. We never lost power at Navarra Mills, but um, it was a... Um, but we were, we were absolutely working 24-7 to try and keep everything in working order. And we're able to recover, um, I think, um, as soon as we got power back to, to Lake Calvert, we were able to recover within about 24 hours. Wow. So, Connie, um, you know, the ice storm, since you've been the city manager and also the one, well, I guess, the interim and also the interim city manager, was this the most challenging uh, incident that um, that you've, you've had to work since since becoming the city manager? I, yes, I, I think it was. Um, you know, we've had some storms, we've had some um, some other major incidences around town, but this was um, uh, a. A, a storm that lasted so many days. You know, we went what five days with below freezing temperatures, and and that's hard on infrastructure. Had yeah. we not lost power, I don't think it would it would have been as challenging. Um, but it just seemed like the cold temperatures caused all of the um, operations to be more difficult. So, for example, getting a backup generator out to a location when you have seven or eight inches of snow on the ground is a difficult chore. And so yeah. it just, the snow just made everything harder and 
and slowed everything down. But yes, it it's probably been the challenge of a uh, of a ten, of my tenure of your tenure. And so, um, so now that we've gone through, you know, the city of course, can and other cities, you know, have gone through, you know, this, you know, particular, you know, weather and all that. So do you, so do you come to, does your team, do you come back to the table and then you have like, let's just say a debriefing and saying, okay, how can we do things differently the next time? If there, if there ever is a next time. Oh, absolutely. We did that, uh, within two or three days, um, after the incident, we sat down and said, okay, what did we learn? What do we need to change? Um, we were already in the process um, for a, uh, an improvement to Lake Calvert that included emergency backup power. Mm-hmm. And we actually may, I may speak to the council about moving that up, but we learned a lot from this. And we have already started putting in place uh, measures that will um, prevent this from happening in the future. And specifically, what I mean is installing emergency backup power. But yes. what you have to remember, emergency backup power for a plant the size of Lake Calvert is not going to be cheap. It's yes. probably a, maybe a half a million dollar investment to be able to have the luxury of having that backup power. But this incident showed us that it's important. We have backup power on all of our other facilities. The wastewater treatment plant, the Vera Mills, they all have backup power. Even the government center, we have a backup generator there, and we actually ran on backup power at the government center, the entire government center, for three days. Wow. So we, we have backup power in all of the critical locations except Lake Calvert. <laughs> and oh, wow. so that was the, that pointed out to us that we probably need to go ahead and move that investment um, up in the, in the time, time frame. Last budget year, we discussed three projects. We discussed um, a backwash filter system at Navarra Mills. We discussed uh, the Lake Halbert sto- additional storage that includes backup power and backup power for the West Highway 31 storage facility. And the council chose at that time the priority to be the Navarra Mills plant. And I agreed with that. I think that mm-hmm. at the time that was the priority. But what this has shown us is that maybe uh, we may need to move that Lake Halbert project up or just do the backup power. So we're going to be evaluating that this coming budget, and we're going to make some recommendations about what we need to do in the coming years. Well, it sounds like you've got some um, work some work to do, some projects, come, upcoming projects. Okay, so let's move into um, our COVID, our pandemic. And so, yes. our, you know, not just our community, but communities across the nation. So do you think um, that, once, you know, everybody, we get more people vaccinated and all that, um, you, know, I, you know, I know that our community has taken a hit as far as businesses, small business owners, you know, the community itself. So do you see see our community recovering from this pandemic? You know, because, you know, we have, we have had some small business owners struggle. You know, some have had to close. And so yeah. what, what is your, what is your projection Regarding you know post COVID once once we once we once it's get once it's in control what do you where do you see our community where do you see Corsicana, Cana County 
Well, we certainly hope that those small businesses that have struggles, um, that the, the, uh, their business comes back. We do see an uptick in the business around town. And with the governor lifting the, his restrictions, we think that more events can be planned, more um, attractions can be um, offered for people to come and, and support those businesses. And we certainly hope that would happen. And I think it goes without saying, as the vaccinations become more available and the, the people that want those vaccinations are able to get them, they're going to have a higher degree of comfort going out in the public, going back to the movie theaters and, you know, all the places that they, that they visited before. It just goes without saying the, 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 the citizens as a whole are going to have to feel comfortable about going out. And that's yeah. all, that's a very personal decision. They're going to yeah. have to make the decision that it's okay for them to, to go out and, um, and I think that will happen as um, the vaccines become more available and um, things are, are less locked down, if you will. Yeah. So, Connie, um, you know, let's go now. Let's transition into the economic part piece of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're paying attention to I forty five. You know, and I always say the I forty five corridor. And you see a lot of businesses starting to build up along I-45. And then, you know, because the city, you know, I say maybe the city, the Metroplex, is kind of like landlocked. A lot of, a lot of younger families are not wanting to live in the city. So do you see a big growth for Corsicana, you know, regarding younger families coming this way, coming I-45 south to want to move to Corsicana to, you know, set, to have their families there? You know, some may still want to work. Some, some may still want to work in the Metroplex, you know, but they want to live in the city of Corsicana because it's only like, you know, 45 minutes, you know, north of Corsicana. So what do you see? What do you see that? Well, my gauge for that, Barbara, would be the the very strong, robust housing market that we have in Corsicana. Houses are, are very much in demand. There's some new subdivisions that are being constructed now. There's some new homes that are going up. And so I think that demand is what drives the, the housing market. So in answer to your question, yes, I do see that as being something that's going to impact Corsicana in the near future. I think that growth is moving down I-45. I think it's a matter of time before it gets to Corsicana. Mm-hmm. We see more interest of, on businesses. And, and even through the pandemic, we saw a lot of people interested in locating companies and, and um, you know, we, we have um, Audubon Metals, which is under construction. We have Corsicana Mattress, which is uh, proposing a new store on, or a new presence on I-45. So we, we see a strong economy that's headed this way, and I think it's only a matter of time. And I think the housing market is already seeing that. Yeah, because yeah, they're saying it's hard to find a house. Once I mean, you know, mm-hmm. a nice house for sale that once it goes up, it's already sold. And so, yeah. um, you know, that just tells well, you, like you said, it's 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 coming. You know, I just the boom right. is coming. Well, you know the in, yeah. and the infill project that we have going on. I know you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. We have developers tell us that they have them sold before they can get them built. 
So wow. we're going to, wow. we are going to really push that in the, in the coming months to try and get some more lots ready and try to get some more homes built. So, you know, okay, so, so Connie, we have our aging community and then we have our, our middle aged community. We have our millennials. So let's talk about, you know, we do, you know, our aging community, we have, you know, those, how do we, how do we um, engage our younger families, our younger community members, like your millennials and all that? How do we engage them? Because, you know, they're enticed by the lights and all that, the metroplex, the city and all that. How do we keep them engaged? Well, I think a vibrant downtown with things to do after hours is always a good start. Those with children, having a good, healthy after-school activity with the sports and soccer and ball and the parks and, and you know, having activities for them to do as a family is always important. And, and there are some things that the city offers that Corsicana won't ever be able to offer, but we're, we're a quick drive to that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if those, if, if those young uh, families want uh, the the flavor of downtown Dallas, they can get that. But if they want the flavor of downtown Corsicana, we need to give them a uh, a good, quaint, vibrant downtown. And I think that's what we're working for. Well, good, good. Well, Connie, um, I, you know, you know, speaking on, you know, talking on on your position as a city manager, if there's a young person that is listening. Can you give them some advice on, hey, I want to be a city manager. What do I need to work on as far as my education? Well, so my my degree in engineering um, has helped me immensely in the uh, engineering field. It, it helps me understand the infrastructure of the city, not only the water, sewer, streets, landfill, those type things. So that's always a good foundation, but it's not a necessary foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, finance, um, municipal accounting is always very important. And then uh, stressing management and um, um, I guess time management and personnel management. And if you put a little bit of all of those together, that makes for a good city manager. You have to understand all elements of it. Hmm. Okay, so have you, um, since you've been in that field for as long as you have, are there a lot of women in your field as, as city managers? There are. Oh, yeah, really? they are. They are, there, there's more and more um, all the time. You know, our former city engineer, Elizabeth Borstad, left here and went to Athens as their city manager. So, it, it's more and more um, common that women are moving into into the management positions, and I think with the right background, they they'll be well suited for that. Well, that's that's fantastic. Well, Connie, I really do uh, appreciate you taking your time out. I know you've been really really busy and you're staying busy, but I really do appreciate you taking the time out to be on the Canada Speaks podcast. And um, I always give my list. I'll get, always give my guests an opportunity to give their shout outs to anybody I'd like to give their shout outs to. So go ahead and do that. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, and my shout out goes to the team that uh, is employed by the city. All of the different departments that came through this recent storm, uh, we could not have done it individually, and I think we did a super job as a as a team. Well, I, 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 had, I, did, I have witnessed that it, all, it took all different entities to work together. I mean, 
from after the storm. I mean, supplying water. I mean, mm-hmm. from the different church communities coming together, making sure people were had a place to go. It just seems like everybody started working together, you know, for one common goal, and that was just to make sure our community could ride out that, you know, this that storm. And you know, we did, yeah. And, so, and that's a blessing yeah. to us, Barbara. We live, we live in a wonderful community that when when we need to, when it's when we're called upon, we all come together, and that's. That's what's wonderful about Corsicana. Yes, ma'am. Well, well, like I said, Connie, thank you so much for um, being on Canada Girl Speaks podcast. And to my listening audience, thank you so much for supporting the Canada Girl Speaks podcast. Um, I uh, I enjoy just you know the those that have come on and talk about their you know their, their positions and have you know brought some insight on what they do. Um, that's just what this podcast is about. So, um, again, thank you, Connie, so much again for just accepting the invitation to be on Canada Girls Speaks Podcast. So, with that being thank said, you, Barbara, for having me. You're welcome. Everybody have a good Bye-bye. evening.